Hello and welcome to the Neutral Zone, a true dodgeball podcast. Forget the five Ds and dodging wrenches. Dodgeball is one of the fastest growing sports in the UK. Played on the casual, competitive and international stages and we're here to tell you all about it. First and foremost, my name is Sam Ward and I'm here to bring you the latest news and goings on in dodgeball in the UK. Uh, I'm now into my fourth season of alternating between playing dodgeball and recovering from various injuries from dodgeball, having previously done so for Nottingham Balls of Steel, Ipswich Mavericks, Leicester Minotaurs, and currently, most recently, plying my trade for Nottingham Sheriffs. And yes, I know I'm a bit of a journeyman. Uh, I've also represented the Wales Dragons national dodgeball team for what's going into my third season now. Although... As I'm, uh, unlike some of the people on this podcast, sadly yet to make a World Cup appearance. If you haven't heard of us before, there's a reason for that. It's because this is the first one we've done. This is episode one, entitled Across the Pond, uh, because we are looking back at the 2018 Dodgeball World Cup, the second of its kind, which was held in New York, across the pond. But anyway, before we get into that, I'd better introduce my co-host, Catherine Thomas. Okay, so my name's Catherine. This is the start of my sixth season playing dodgeball. I started at University of Nottingham playing for Balls of Steel, and I'm now playing for Nottingham Sheriffs after a year at Minotaurs. I do some refereeing as well, so I refereed uh, most notably the World Cup in 2016, which was the first one, and was also a spectator at the most recent World Cup in 2018 in New York. And that's pretty much me. We're joined by two international superstars who ventured across the pond to represent their countries in this World Cup. First off, Jordan Taylor. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, I'm Jordan. I am, I'm also going to my sixth year of dodgeball um, after doing two years at Trent and three with Nottingham Sheriffs. Um, and I'm also into my third season with England Lions. Is that you dropping the mic? Just such a dramatic statement. That's it. Jordan's said his bit. Now he's out. Done. Um, yeah, no, and I also uh, dabble in refereeing for British Dodgeball. And last but not least, Leaf. Last but not least, I'm doing well with words today. Dave Prestage. Okay, so um, my name's Dave Prestage. I'm about to enter my eighth year playing, so a little more experienced. I had four years at Nottingham Trent. Uh, I've just finished three seasons with Sheriffs, and now I'm in a bit of a Unknown. I'm currently unattached. Uh, I'm just trying to work out now with a move where I can get to and uh, keep playing. But I will be playing this year, just a case of uh, of when rather than where. Um, and yeah, that's about me at the moment. I've played for Ireland for going to my what will be my third or fourth year now. Um, I played at the Invitational at the initial World Cup in Manchester, and I've just taken part in the four one at Madison Square Garden. Just gone. That's me. So anyway. Uh... 3rd and 4th of August uh, 2018, there was a, a, small, a small World Cup in New York. And so, yeah, uh, tell us about your experience while you were over there, just before we dive into the nitty-gritty of the dodgeball that happened. Yeah, so um, beginning of August, there was obviously the Dodgeball World Cup held at the uh, world-famous Hulu Theatre at Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah, it was just... To be honest, it was just a really good... Made it to the big time. <laughs> yes, play, playing on the world stage, as it were. Um, or, or the theatre underneath. Um, 
<laughs> it was uh, it was just a really good weekend of dodgeball. There was some sort of excellent play on show. Um, it was sort of the build up to it was really really good. It was really intense. A lot to a lot to think about, a lot to do, and yeah, it was just to see it all sort of pay off for a lot of the England Lions. Was just it was really good to. See. Catherine, as a as a spectator, what were your how did you find the atmosphere of it all? I mean, they split the event over two days. So we did a lot of the group stages at a different venue the day before, which to be fair, um, as a sort of diehard dodgeball fan was really good fun because it was much less formal. And in that there weren't sort of massive amounts, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of uh, organized seating. So you, it was more like when we play dodgeball over here, when you can sort of like stand on the edge of the courts and see everyone. So that was really good fun to say hi there was like the dodgeball was a really good standard all weekend actually I, I really agree with jordan it was an exciting time to be a dodgeball fan as well as a dodgeball player but yeah madison square gardens was a bit mad really so myself and a friend who we've both done some refereeing in the past i mean she does a lot more than i do went along so we got there i think for second match of the day and there's just a real mix of people so there was people we knew from home sort of fans from other nations and then also just some random people who happened to be in New York who heard about it, who came along, which was really cool. So we spent a while chatting to some people who'd never watched dodgeball before. So that was really exciting as someone who cares about the sport to see new people taking interest. And yeah, hopefully it's raised the profile a bit and we can do bigger events like that more often because it, it was really cool. Yeah, hopefully it is a sign of things to come. And yeah, hopefully the sport can kick on from, kick on from here. So anyway, uh, results-wise, tell us a bit about the group stages, George, from an England perspective. Um, yeah, group stages for, for us, um, obviously came out on top. We thought, yeah, brilliant, good performance all around. Um, struggled a little bit at the start against USA, um, going 6-0 down, but quick sub substitutions, swapped that around, came out on top. Um, was, that yeah, a case, was... was that a case of nerves or just not being used to the just sort of getting your eye in in terms of the the game and the the, the new balls and the venue and all the rest of it I, th I think that it was sort of I'm going to put it down sort of some teething problems on our our side but that's that's not underestimating the USA team they came out they came out really strong um some excellent power behind the throws some decent catching from um Alfred Kwan um yeah, um, I think we just, we underestimated them. Yeah, I think I'd also like to add, I think a lot of people, especially after Manchester, the, because European dodgeballers play these rules all the time and the US tend to play a different variation. I don't think many of us would count, thought a lot, I think a lot of us had counted the USA out from the start, but actually both their, all three of their teams really brought it to the tournament. And it was really great to see them with home support because they've come on so much in two years it was really great to see do you know if it was much the same much the same players or uh that have just developed that have just up their game massively or have they they changed around their squad to their benefit i think from faces i remember it looked to be about 50 50 new people and sort of people i remember from manchester does that sound about right to you jord i genuinely couldn't tell you i wasn't at manchester um, I was working, unfortunately, so I ended up missing it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I think it was about... There were definitely some people I recognised and some people I didn't. So I think they've done... They did a lot more 
they had a lot more sort of preparation for this one. And they, yeah, they were able to bring, especially their men looking really, really strong and with a very distinct style this time, which it took them a while to pick up last time. So I enjoyed watching them for sure. So uh, aside from the USA, how did the rest of England's World Cup group stages go? Um, yeah, so obviously uh, facing Canada as well. Um, yeah, Canada was a, it was a new team for me to play. Um, again, another thoroughly enjoyable game. Um, England coming out on top. Um, I don't think there was really anything spectacular in that game. I think it was just a pretty sort of standard game of dodgeball. Um, other than that, the other two teams, obviously, uh, Northern Ireland and Australia. Um, Northern Ireland, historically in the past, it's someone we've um, managed to beat, um, beating them in the finals at Euros last year, um, to then face them in the groups this time. And we were looking forward to it. Um, it was, yeah, it was a very quick game, a lot, lot of stuff happening, um, and England taking the win for that one as well. Um, and then Australia um, putting in an appearance at last World Cup. Um, didn't see it myself, but heard so many good things about it. Um, they were one of the favourites for uh, winning the men's this year. Um, but yeah, um, England taking them by storm, and the other teams in the group as well, because unfortunately Australia sort of coming bottom of the group was um it wasn't really something anyone could have predicted no it was a real shock wasn't it yeah they, we were we were really expecting them to come to come on so strong and then sort of seeing that result was it was a bit of a shock really I yeah it. i didn't get a chance to watch them all that much but it just yeah just some, something didn't quite click on the night it seemed almost with the friday fixtures because they didn't look you wouldn't have looked at them and said they weren't a solid team, but it just didn't really translate into scores from what I could see of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it was um, partly due to sort of the time of the play, because obviously by the time the England-Australia game got underway, it was, it was well into, into midnight, really. Um, so I think, I think that was pretty much a factor. You could see a lot of players sort of from all teams sort of flagging a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I think that sort of had a bit of an impact on the standings. I suppose from an Australian perspective as well is if you've just played the United States, Canada, and Northern Ireland and been fruitless in all your expeditions up to then, the last thing you want to do is play the reigning world champions in England at midnight in a group <laughs> that you're already realistically likely to come bottom of. But it's surprising, uh, surprising in any case that that a team that performs so strongly at the 2016 World Cup, which I, th- who I think, if my memory serves correctly, ended up losing to England on their routes to the to the trophy, to then not deliver quite what was expected of them. I think it's a testament as well to how much stronger USA and Canada came out than a lot of us were expecting. Yeah, because I, I think, think if you'd asked us at the beginning of the tournament who we'd expect to come at, at the bottom of that group, res- like with respect, it would have been one of those. But they just sort of did what they could on the day and it really paid off for them. From our, our personal point, I think after a great start, so we had Egypt up first and we underestimated them because the only thing any of us had ever seen about Egypt was from the last World Cup and they didn't look very organised then, they were so new, but again, it's two, they've had two years of practice and hard training and the sport's grown over there and that shows they were... They were so much better. They came out like an absolute house on fire. We were 6-0 down before we knew what had hit us properly. And uh, they had two or three players with absolute massive arms in that team. We pulled a few games back, but they, they got the win. Uh, we 
we played Singapore next, which is a big game for us. We knew we needed to, to win that one and, and we did, which was obviously great. And we did it with a bit of style this one as well. We won quite quite a few points in hand and we looked we looked good as a team. I remember coming off at half time thinking that was just a that was a solid all round performance. I was very happy with that. Um um, same to be fair overall same for the Malaysia game we, we lost by a couple of games again a little bit of controversy and decisions in that one which went against us but that, that happens in sport sometimes end of the day it's not what cost us a game it doesn't help the individuals but eh, it's one of those they, they outplayed us just and we didn't take some of our chances and some catches we let we let a few silly singles go down and we missed a few easy hits at the line and stuff it's you make those silly mistakes at this level and you're not going to win games but again, we played. I thought afterwards it was more frustrating. We lost and played well. Always is when you play that well as a squad and you don't get the win. And then we went into our game against Austria to finish it. And yeah, it's like any game we have with Austria. We don't even need refs when we play each other at this point. The game's so honest and so in the spirit of what sport should be like and what we try and teach kids when they play sport and everything else. It's, it was great. Um, so we finished the first day with only one win, not what we were hoping for. It still, still got us to the next day. It still got us to that Madison Square Garden game, which is what everyone wanted. We knew we had at least one and we were going to go out and give that everything. We found out we got England. We know that's a tough game. But it's why you, any sportsman plays any kind of event. It's those big games against the big teams. If you're not in sport to play those matches, why are you in it? Like That's what you do. England's success on the men uh, reflected on the women's side. I believe. George, on take away? Um, yeah, it did. Um, England women also top in their group. Um, again, facing USA and Canada, same as the men. Um, but I think the big game that everyone was sort of rearing, rearing to watch for the women was obviously England versus Austria. Oh, it was um, so good. Yeah, historically, Austria always pipping England to the post. Um, last, uh, last year's Euros beat them in the final, sort of overtime. And yeah, it was just... It was a huge, huge achievement for England this year to sort of beat Austria in the group stages and it absolutely reflected on them all in finals day. Like, they were rearing to go, they were happy, they were confident and, you know, they just beat their sort of long-term rivals and, yeah, they, they couldn't have been happier for it. It must have been such a, such a uh, mental boost to finally overcome that. Yeah, you could see it. Like the atmosphere was electric. Like watching the game, a lot of us who had gone to watch obviously had friends playing for England and Austria. But the, I think you can watch, having watched a few matches of them playing Austria previously, they've been in their heads for a while and they just really stepped it up so much. And any little, as someone who's been watching England women play for a few years, any little niggles that you'd sometimes be like, oh, well, if they could just sort this out or sort that out. Like absolute credit to the girls. Like they, every little thing you could have previously sort of nitpicked at, they'd obviously put all their effort into fixing, and it just looked so unbelievably good. And just really, sort of consistent powerhouse performances from pretty much everyone. And they played a fairly interesting lineup as well, with yeah. a lot of changes, just to take advantage of the fact. And it just, oh, they absolutely smashed it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I, th I think those changes did sort of play an important part, obviously, because there was some sort of. Well, there was sort of new blood against Austria, sort of with Beth Dix coming on court, Harry Big Noor stepping on. Um, yeah, I think, I think Harry had put a lot of momentum into that team. Yeah. She's a bit feisty, isn't she? So. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was um, and obviously Beth Dix that that um I think what she, uh, her quote for me was um I'm a boss ass um which yeah she's doing that at this corner. <laughs> R rated podcast come out here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as in uh, going back to your to your point about it all clicking and working like a well oiled machine, that's a that's that sort of thing is exactly what you need in a game of that type margins and it's something that his well certainly to my knowledge has austria historically had over england on the women's side at the very least so it's interesting to see a proper changing of the guard on this one yeah definitely cool uh small mention for the other women's group australia uh women showing their men up in topping the group on their on their road to their defense of their crown and Mixed, England again doing what England do. Yeah, um, once again, top in the group uh, all across the boards, um, facing USA, Malaysia, Canada and Slovenia. Um, I think it was nice sort of from, from an English perspective to take three teams over and completely smash USA and Canada's three teams. It was um, Boston. <laughs> a nice symmetry. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no, um, England mix always coming out strong. A um, couple of new faces onto, the, onto that mixed squad from last World Cup, um, showing that even even if England are changing changing that the mixed team, they're still going to come out as strong as ever and take home that gold. Yeah, a few young faces coming through, which is very exciting for everyone. Well, apart from us who are older than them. It's less exciting for us, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, small mention on the other group. Bit of a bit of a group of death on the other side, in which Scotland's mixed team uh, came out in third place uh, behind Austria and Australia's mixed teams. So Aust- Austria's mixed team uh, getting to the final of Euros prior, and Australia obviously carrying a pretty decent threat in their women uh the actual results scotland ended up losing to both austria and australia and interestingly drawing against egypt who ended up finishing bottom of the group behind hong kong so yeah scotland scotland mixed by name mixed by nature in the in the (laughs) on the first day yeah, there were some very stressed faces on the um, Scottish coaching side, for sure. I, w- I was chatting to them at points during the evening. Yeah, it was um, just, I think, a fairly sort of tempestuous ride for them. Just sort of some things were working beautifully, some things they just couldn't really get, I think, into a rhythm maybe for some of it. And I think, especially the mixed is always quite an interesting proposition anyway. So it's three men and three women on court for each side both times. And I think it sort of amplifies all the normal considerations you have about sort of players with different pace players with different style and then of course when you've got different nations having different styles as well I think it is a really difficult game to adapt to so they were really worried at one point but I think it was well deserved that they got through and they did like obviously well as we'll hear in a minute did themselves proud on day two so it was really gratifying to watch them although I know there were some tense moments they held their nerve and got through in the end yeah I think that was a well, from an outsider looking in, I can't say much about the Scottish selection committee, etc. But the the fact that their men ended up not being there gave right. a bit of a headache was, to the, yeah. the selectors because the men who 
well, the men who the men who were selected mixed team at the Euros, so the qualifying event, were probably seen to have been not necessarily weaker, but well, more suited to mixed play than some of the men they ended up taking, uh, who had ended up playing in the men's and uh, coming up empty at the Euros. But yeah, like like you say, they ended up gelling properly and coming through their group in third, although it did set up a tougher quarterfinal than they'd have liked in Malaysia Mixed, who finished second in the corresponding group. In terms of the other home nations, Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland's men in the same group as England's men, uh, lost to England, as you may have realised by the fact that England won all of them, but uh, ended up taking victories against USA and Canada. And again, interestingly, drawing against Australia, who ended up who ended up finishing bottom of the group. So yeah, let's talk let's so uh end of the first day and tell tell us a little bit about how you're feeling at the end of the first day. Um yeah end of the first day um spirits high um everybody tired considering getting back to the hotel up half one in the morning <laughs> um wasn't ideal to be up and again at madison for eight the next day um but yeah everyone was happy um the women were on a all-time high um gents were feeling good the coaching staff and support staff again they were all they were all feeling good it was just it was a happy england camp all around so yeah a pretty a pretty brutal pretty brutal schedule playing both in the late hours of Friday night and early hours of Saturday morning and the noctically late hours of Saturday morning uh, for the knockout stages the next day. But I suppose the same for all teams. Yeah, I think um, starting at four o'clock in the afternoon, well, a, a soft 4pm on the Friday wasn't sort of doing anyone favours. Um, obviously yeah. with venue issues, but we'll... we'll talk more on that later um yeah i think if if we if we managed to start sort of mid-morning friday we could have easily been done evening time rather than you know i think i think we, yeah. we left at half 12 and there was still still games to go ahead oh wow um yeah <laughs> um so i think just yeah we'll chat more on it later but i think just timings could have been much better I also if i was if i was playing if I was playing in the international tournament, which started at four o'clock in in the afternoon, the amount of nervous energy I'd burn in the in the first however many waking hours of the day would be, yeah, would have been pretty naff. Put it that way. That's it. Starting that late in the day, you don't really want to be doing anything exhausting, sort of in the morning. So essentially, you're in New York City for a, a morning and a mid afternoon, but not really wanting to do anything. <laughs> Seems like a waste of a waste of a day, really. Mm-hmm. I, I want to put on record that I think Basketball City and the venue that it was at and by the Brooklyn Bridge, I think, could actually be a very good dodgeball venue. Um, there's lots of space; you can have multiple courts. There's the bleachers for the spectators. I think there's a lot of potential for anyone in America who hosts things on the East Coast could use that venue. I think very good, but it also highlighted everything that was wrong day one. Everything that was good and bad about the World Cup was apparent in the first hour and a half of being in there. You know, 
the major complaint I think most nations shared was it wasn't the best organised tournament uh, from whoever was in charge of the various elements. I know everyone wants to all go at the same person, but I can't believe everything was just him. Obviously, not getting away scot-free, but the whole thing could have done better. Um, but then once we started late, and it was a long day, which was frustrating, but once we started, the dodgeball was just superb. The all-round men's, women's mix, the, the, the quality on show was was phenomenal. Like in between one of our games, I snuck off to a, to watch uh, England USA men's, and that first half was phenomenal. That was one of the best first halves of dodgeball I've ever seen. Um, it was so back and forth. There were such good games and intense matches as well. It was class to see. Anyway, uh, we made it through unscathed, and so let's let's talk about Madison Square. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the venue, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but England men uh, kick it off for the home nations. Well, England and Republic of Ireland men kick it off for the home nations uh, in their quarterfinal. Yeah, a pretty resounding win for England, which is a shame for all our Republic listeners, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, how'd it go, George? Uh, yeah, so um, England versus Roy, uh, a game which myself and Dave were both, both very excited about, um, playing together on the same home team for for five years, to then finally face each other on an international stage was just sort of, it's something we've been looking forward to. Um, bit of a friendly wager going on, um, which I won 4-0, but I won't, <laughs> I won't tell anybody that. Um, three hits and catch, but again, my lips are sealed. He just came up to me and said, I bet I'll get you out more than you. And that was about all. But we say that about every time in training as well. So I didn't think it's a, it doesn't get held any more weight particularly. But I'm, I'm willing to accept it because it was the most beautiful bit of karma I've ever seen. So I made the call and I called Jordan. I called a slightly higher throw. Um, I've released probably a second too early. It, it's my fault. So I've released a bit early. Jordan's jumped and committed. He's caught mine. And as he's put his head down, he's given me the smuggest smile you've ever seen. And as he did it and made eye contact with me, the follow-up ball from Colm clocked him square in the nose and sent him flying back. <laughs> and it was fantastic. That was it, was it was just one of those moments where time stood still. It all happened in the space of about three seconds. But from where we were on court, all three of us clocked what had happened. And it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was just... Um... Obviously, Roy, we, we did face them at NEC. Um, so it was, it was intriguing to see how far they'd come along in, in, the, in the post sort of three or four months of training. Um, yeah, England were going into it confident um, and Roy were bringing it on really, really strong. Um, I, I can't recall a, a set that was in a, a whitewash for England, really. Um, but yeah, it was just an all-round good game there was good play on both sides um, yeah it was entertaining to watch yeah so as i said we, we got that draw and it, it, in a weird way england are the team that everyone and no one wants to play because they've got such an imperious record at all levels you know that you haven't got always you haven't really got a, a great shot at beating them but you know having played them for, we know we can take games off them. We know we can make them nervous at times. So that was that was the aim. It was to go in there and just just put on a competitive match that everyone wants to watch. 
I thought first half we did that. Um, I thought they didn't play, I don't think, necessarily their strongest team to start with because I know they obviously, they were anticipating a long day of dodgeball. But I think they realised that because obviously they made the changes and people came on at half-time. Um, again, there was no games. Although the scoreline, if you look back now, it looks, it looks horrendously one-sided. There was only towards the end of the second half because everyone was very tired for the night before. I think they'd admit that as well. It was no one got to bed till you know you're talking near midnight, and then everyone's back at a hole up from like six, seven o'clock again. By the time you've tried to eat, shower, do stuff, this no one was at their freshest on any team. I think the second day, um, but I thought first half was competitive, was good. There was a few nice one-on-ones with people. Garv had a great one when he, he got our win for us, our two points. Yeah, great little bit of performance. Everyone had their own little moments. So, you know, I had a few one on ones line, which I, which I won, which was nice. Uh, everyone kind of, I think, walked away with their own like little personal highlights from that. Uh, England did England did what England do. They second half they just turned that screw. They went up that gear that they just have, uh, and we we couldn't compete with them. Uh, but that shows why they're one of the best teams in the world. It it shows it. It was a good game. Um, overall, I was happy with how it went. Uh, I just think I, w- I would have liked to have all had us all a bit fresher to going into it. But England deserved the win. Good from the guys, and I, th- I still feel we walked away with our head held up. I suppose that's one of the that's one of the best and worst things about the sport of dodgeball in that for a game to be for a game to be close, but one team to be slightly better often reflects very very harshly on the team that was only slightly second best. Because it makes no yeah. makes no sense whether you lose with no with, without eliminating any players or eliminating all by one of the opposition, but you're still not going to get any points for it if you get wiped out. And I think that's something Republic will feel slightly slightly miffed by was the scoreline that in favour this nature of the scoreline in favour of England. It was um it was a nice division in the uh, supporter camp as well because obviously um mine Dave. Um, and Degan's partners were in the crowd. Um, our friends from the club were in the crowd. It was sort of who do we support? For, you know, mm-hmm. do, do we su- support the sport as a whole or nah? Yeah, nah, the there's sport. a lot of just British dodgeball going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, it was just it was just really nice to see sort of the amount of home nation support that there was at. At Madison, from from England, from Scotland, from Roy, Northern Ireland, you know there was there wasn't a time in Madison where you didn't hear cheering for one of those home nation countries. Yeah, regarding so you exit at the hands of the the hands of the reigning champions. Yep. Um, and yeah, something something definitely to be proud of across the whole squad. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's. It's one of those where everyone who has is yet to take up the sport, who will do in the next year or so, or whenever it is, or people who have played and don't play anymore, there is still only in the history of the sport a finite number of people who will be able to say, "I was there, I yeah. was under the lights, on the sc- on the screens, under the cameras, whatever it was at Madison Square Garden, played in that tournament." There's only a select few who can, and to to be able to say that I was one of them is something that I'm going to probably bore the teeth off my kids and grandkids with when I get a bit older and say, yeah, you know that, you know that New York? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I played, played there once or twice. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, when the World Cup is a, a yeah. four-yearly annual 
public holiday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when we're having national days off to watch it on the on the telly. I'll be like, that was me back when I'm an old man, bitter because I can't play anymore because I'm old. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's just one of those where it was, you know, it was an expensive trip. It was a tiring trip. It, you know, it wasn't the best organised. It's been highlighted. I don't want to go into that too much. It's well documented. Everyone knows. I wouldn't swap it. Would not swap it. Um, it's one of those things, how good it was class. And it just makes you excited for the next one. Whether was, you know whether you're still playing at that point or not, it just just for the event for the people who are going to go to the next one, wherever it is, is yeah, yeah. What a weekend! The the NI and Egypt game was a much better game to watch than the Roy and England game. <laughs> or was it because it was so stressful? <laughs> yes, but what's uh, dodgeball without a bit of drama? Cool. So yeah, we've just just mentioned Northern Ireland. Uh, I've got here in my notes, battling past a vastly improved but very prickly Egyptian side. Mm. Yeah, those of you who are actually there you might, might be able to tell me a little bit more. I think the main comment to make about maybe the World Cup in general and specifically the Northern Ireland-Egypt game is, especially in Britain, and although I haven't been to European Championships, what I've seen of the refereeing at European Championship level is that we do tend to play in very strictly refereed leagues. So the standard of, I don't know, not aggression is the wrong word, but the amount at which the referees have to do crowd management is, I think, significantly less. Or the expectations of how the players will behave is a lot higher in Europe, it would seem. Because in the countries where there aren't such established leagues, it's quite obvious and it was brought up by some of the American referees as well and their own experience of playing dodgeball is they take it all a bit less seriously and therefore the players are allowed to get away with a bit more on court in terms of chatting back to the referees and questioning decisions. So sometimes, that, especially in a tense game anyway, that makes things even tenser as you sort of get two playing strategies that collide and Northern Ireland we all know quite well and they are a lovely side but they are very very good and they play very very fast so as soon as things happen that start disrupting their flow they understandably can get pretty irritated. I think this game and a lot of the games with the I suppose would be the 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 non-native English speaking nations highlighted where the rules need to be adjusted slightly because they're too open for interpretation for me at the moment and people can twist them and quite rightly so it says in the rules you know you only need a minimum of two ball retrievers obviously us playing in England and Ireland have been having two as a standard rule well see that rule opens up you can, you can have 12 you could have 20 you could have a whole squad if you want um, I think it's an opportunity for the sport to learn though going forward that those uniformed rules I think needs to happen so everyone when they get to a major event like that there's no issues the refs know everything so obviously they were learning on the job a little bit a bit last minute refing choices I think that could have improved more Egypt just started to look very frayed and worn and very tense. And it unfortunately reflected quite badly on a few of their players. And that's not to say all of them by any stretch. There are a number of them who behaved absolutely impeccably, but there are a few. And I think really the interesting bit was it wasn't even the fact that you thought there was going to be some kind of issue with Northern Ireland against Egypt. It was more within the the Egyptian camp. The coach and a couple of the players were getting like visibly really frustrated with a couple of the other players and like shouting at each other on court and when the refs had to stop time. But I think 
it was an unfortunate byproduct of having maybe less experienced referees than we would have liked to have who were less used to dealing with sort of squashing behaviour like that when it first begins. And of course, by the time it's all escalated and it's a World Cup quarterfinal, sort of spirits are running high and tensions are running high and you really do need to clamp down on that ASAP, which unfortunately didn't happen. So there was a lot of support in the room for Northern Ireland and uh, we were very glad when they pulled pulled it off in the end, but it was a really, really tense game and not necessarily all for sort of sporting reasons. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, someone who uh, saw one singular solitary streaming angle on the YouTube channel. Uh, obviously, having having seen and I play in the flesh, I'm well aware that they are they are model professionals in in the way they approach the game and how they go about it, how they conduct themselves in their uh, in their conduct to the referees and to the opposition, but. Even so, you could still tell that they were getting visibly frustrated. So what clearly wasn't something that was quite sitting right. On the on the note of the refing, um, I would like to put on record that for the guys who did the actual refing, um, I spoke to a few of them between games. Obviously, not best for us as players, having people who weren't familiar with this set of rules. But I thought the way that there was a few few of them who throughout the first day got stronger and stronger, and by the time it got to the second day. I thought they'd improve loads. The actual standing ref and got stronger throughout the tournament. I think it's a credit to the volunteers who came down that they took it on board and, and learned so quickly. There was definitely three or four of them who the difference between them from that first group game to the semis and finals was huge. So fair play to them. Uh, they yeah, did really well they, with that, I thought. They really they were kind of set up to fail, to be honest. Cause yeah, 100%. It's, I mean, I, I don't know, don't know them personally, but it's probably dodgeball of the caliber they've probably never seen before. And in a rule set they're not familiar with, in a venue they're not familiar with, with players they're not familiar with. So it's <laughs> the holy trinity. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, but kudos to them for for taking on the challenge and properly rising to it. Come the end of the come the end of the come the end of the day. Yes. Which is it's just which is a shame because what's sort of gone under the radar is that Egypt punched well above their weight here at this World Cup compared to yeah they they got, they did surprisingly well 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 they did well enough for lots of us to be surprised I think it's probably more fair yeah I think because I believe their men are I believe their men played at the Invitational at. Uh, in Manchester um, if that's wrong don't write in um, but still they managed to come th- come third in their come third in their group and then properly take it to the team that came second at at Euros is yeah it's pretty pretty encouraging for them the way their the way their play is going yeah definitely sure the Good development, yeah. We just hope that sort of next time maybe it doesn't have to get quite as tense as that. <laughs> did you manage to watch it, Jordan, or were you busy? Yeah, I did. Um, I managed to watch quite a lot of it, to be honest. And, um, but, like, don't tell anyone, but I was thoroughly, thoroughly supporting NI, as you <laughs> Um Yeah, no, um, as you were saying, NI conducted themselves beautifully on court, 
um, some of the most honest players I've ever been against. They just their their sportsmanship is it's like no other. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a team that really cares for the sport, and to see them sort of go up against a team, um, let, let's say, um, doesn't mind a bit of controversy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was frustrating to watch, but it was it was good to see NI come on top. Uh, England women sweeping Singapore fairly comfortably. Uh, they'll probably they probably will face tougher challenges. And they know that they probably already have faced tougher challenges in Austria in the groups, uh, but still did it minimal fuss professionally disposed of. Singapore, yeah, buoying buoyed by the results on the first day. Yeah, um, I think England once they'd be in Austria, um, they absolute like smashed through that barrier. Um, I don't think nothing was going to phase them um, for the next few games, certainly because I think the confidence was on all time high. The skill level, as always with England women, was it was. Arguably the, the the best of the tournament. Um, yeah, um, I think England versus Singapore. It was. I don't think it was ever in doubt for us. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, and onto the mixed. England, England, England mixed a little bit. Not not uh, caught out by Hong Kong, but probably made a bit of a wobble. Bit. Probably made made hard, harder work of it than people expected them to. Yeah, I think it was it was a bit of a shake up for them because obviously top in the group, um, sort of got a little bit cocky, and then Hong Kong were like, actually, um, we careful can, we there. Can play too. Um, yeah, yeah, um, so yeah, like you say, it was um, it's a bit wobbly for England, but it's something they took in their stride. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and last but not least, the. Final home nation, Scotland. Scotland ended up coming through against Malaysia, sixteen uh, twelve in the mixed. Yeah, no, it was a really close game. Like Malaysia never to be counted out. So there was yeah a few sort of nail biting moments. I was sitting near some Scottish parents, which was really good, and family members, which was really good fun. But no, they really showed they came together as a team and they really pushed through that one and thoroughly well deserved victory. Yeah, which is probably. A- Fairly stark contrast to what their day one performance may may have got them if they brought their same game to the second day, but they ended up digging deep and yeah, I think ironed out a lot of the prob ironed out any problems they'd had the night before and just sort of turned up fresh day and really showed what they were made of. Cool. One yeah, just one final quarterfinal result to to call out is Malaysia's Malaysia's men. Ended up going six 0 down against USA, uh, with not a lot of time left in the first half. Yes, um, the USA fans were very excited, <laughs> as I'm sure they should be. It was um, a bit of a reflection, really, against USA's um, England group game. They mm. came out super strong, and um, England we we basically started six 0 down as well. Yeah, um, so I think people just they just weren't ready for USA. <laughs> Yeah, over a course of a thirty-minute game, ended up being being a step too far for USA. So Malaysia ended up pulling it back to set up a semi-final, which was a rematch of the last World Cup final. 
against England men. Yeah. George, you want to take it away? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so that semi-final, um, we'll start off by saying, let's face it, there was nothing short of controversy during the whole during the whole of the, well, 30, nearly 40 minutes they end up being. Um, sort of arguments on both sides. Um, but yeah, um, England going into it confident. Um, we'd had a good run all day. Um, Friday beat Roy in the uh, quarters, so going into it pretty confident. Um, as the match is sort of progressing, getting a little bit more worried because obviously the score's not reflecting the ideal, really. Um, obviously, finishing on evens um, into overtime. Um, and England just couldn't, we just couldn't um, seem to secure the win, unfortunately. It was there. Uh... To call it, to call it, to say it could have gone either way is an understatement. Yeah, it was so. It was such a tense watch, especially um, having previously commented on how sort of supportive all the home nation fans were being of each other. It was just, it was, it was difficult to watch. And I mean, I have friends on both of those teams, but I couldn't help being just absolutely heartbroken for England because it was again it just it, it was sort of fingertips within touching distance and it just wasn't to be at the end. Yeah, I think, yeah, because, yeah, toing and throwing all along the way because England ended up going 9-5 down and then I think leading 13-11 with one more, with essentially one more period to play, which later needed to win to have overtime and even a shot of beating them, which they ended up doing both of those things. Yeah, I would... Yeah, I would say that it's definitely a game that's worth watch. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it already, and even if you have, it's probably worth watching again. Because truth be told, it was gripping, it was tense, and it really showcased some of the best talent that the world has to offer, which is nothing short of what we expected in the World Cup semi-final. Yeah, and it was um, it was just heartbreaking. To sort of that final whistle goes, England, couple of players down. It's just absolute heartbreaking. Um, you you probably see on the footage as well. There's just n- nothing short of tears all around on the England, the England squad because th- we've we've put so much effort into this season to then just see it slip through our fingers. It's yeah, it's heartbreaking. Not surprised. I suppose on on reflection, have you got any? Well, have you got any ideas of what might have changed? What you might have done differently? You had the had the match again. If there's anything you would have changed? Yeah, you, I mean, you can always throw around like, what if this happened? What if that happened? Um, but for, from sort of a ball retriever's perspective, um, there was obviously the things sort of a few moments where England just needed to calm down, not get drawn into those 1v1s, um, just sort of reset and, and go with our game plan. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe swap the players around on court could have made a difference. We'll never know. But from sort of, yeah, retriever and spectators, uh, Perspective. It was they they had on what ideally is their strongest strongest sort of set, and and it's probably yeah. probably the players that have been playing best all weekend from what uh, from what I'd seen anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that was probably one thing that stood out to me is that there wasn't there wasn't a lot in terms of squad rotation. Which I mean, it's all with the gift of hindsight. It's easy to say that if they chucked it around, maybe that could have sparked them into life a little bit more. I think also there was a lot of sort of 
disruption to the flow of the games sort of not there was nowhere near as antagonistic as Egypt not Egypt non Ireland and it was a really um England especially after having obviously been absolutely heartbroken seconds before really did conduct themselves well generally um shaking hands because it was of course such a fantastic game but I think I'd I'd echo what Jordan said I think people just got England didn't deal as well with the problems that came well, not problems, maybe the issues that arose from maybe certain refing decisions or certain sort of constraints in the environments. Obviously, ball retrievers not being able to get around as easily. And it just seemed that people got put off. And as you say, it was a it was a strong side on court, but they weren't putting... There were moments of absolute brilliance, as you always expect, and it was incredibly watchable. But I think some of the decision-making, it the pressure got to people and they didn't quite perform as I'm sure they would have liked to. Um, no, I think it was almost in a strange way, and I would have almost put my non-existent mortgage on the England men's team at least making the final, if not winning the whole thing. But that that semi-final between them and uh, Malaysia uh, was unbelievable. Like back and forth game, I've not seen many international games go that back and forth so much. Um, and as a neutral in that, and I am a neutral in that one. It's uh, yeah, that was. That was superb. That was just great dodgeball. That last five minutes of the set was mental. Yeah, I suppose my, well, we can't talk about this much without saying it's a huge credit to Malaysia in that in Manchester, it was the, this boot was on the other foot and they ended up leaving feeling pretty heartbroken. And I think it was, I think it was Heidi from Malaysia who, uh, gave an interview with Greg Whitehouse and Apprentice on the YouTube stream afterwards. Um, and he was saying that, yeah, England were the, was the holy grail. Beating them was everything they'd strived for ever since that defeat in 2016. And for them to finally achieve it is, yeah, they, you could tell, you could see how much it meant to a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. And they'd obviously been studying everyone closely because they sort of worked open gaps in the game that I hadn't seen another team do at the tournament. Uh, on the other on the other semi-final in the men's, we had Northern Ireland against Austria. And yeah, it was a classy Austrian performance uh, from what I've seen and ended up ousting Northern Ireland 17-9. So yeah, to, to set up a an Austria-Malaysia final, which I don't think many people had predicted at the start of the at the start of the day. No, definitely not. But yeah, so that also set up a home nations clash for the bronze medal, uh, which we'll get to after the women's and mixed semi-finals. Uh, cool, England women against Hong Kong in the semi-final. Uh, a bit of a that looked tense for a little while. That really did look tense. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that Hong Kong kind of had England not on the ropes, but uh, had they England needed to find that extra gear that we know that they can and do produce, and yeah, found it and closed the game up pretty, pretty, pretty professionally from. From what I've seen, ended up winning eighteen six, and would set up a 
a rematch of the epic group clash against Austria in the final because Austria ousted Australia in the other women's semi-final, which was a small amount of revenge for the women's final in Manchester. Um, yeah, I think on both the women's semi-finals, it really was a sort of a showcase of European talent because I think both of them had slightly sticky first halves, but by when the time, whatever was said in the halftime uh, coaches talk, really did just put a rocket up sort of England and Austria respectively, and they came out and just dominated. And I think Australia are evidently a very, very strong side and they played really, really well. But it just, it was an amazing thing to watch as sort of obviously a fan of European dodgeball and someone who's hoping to get more and more involved in it because they really were powerhouse performances, just absolutely textbook, sort of reverting back to their style. They weren't letting anyone make any mistakes. The catching was brilliant. The sort of taking opportunity of the single ball plays was really good. And they were both um, sort of tense in the first half, but very enjoyable to watch. Although I don't think it would be particularly unfair to say they were slightly one-sided in the second half because England and Austria just really... Yeah, went up a gear and brought it home because they knew they didn't want to be left out of that final. Cool. And finally, the mixed semi-finals we had England's pretty England men, uh, England mixed pretty pretty controlled, pretty uh, pretty professional in their suffocation of Australia, uh, fairly convincingly on the scoreline. So yeah, a lot of their I think 23-5 is what I've got down. Uh, yeah, a a lot of the England men, obviously, who played in that defeat to Malaysia, playing, then getting it straight out of their system and going on court playing for the mixed. Uh, yeah, fair amount of fair amount of bottle, fair amount of mental strength to get that out of their system and deliver so professionally so soon after a defeat. Yeah, you could still see a few. It's like some people obviously were working stuff out on court, but generally it was a, it was really good to see people just go out and get the business done. And I think especially, I think I'm right in saying that it happened after the women's match. So being buoyed yeah. up by the girls, obviously being through to the final, I think the lads did really well. Just basically pull themselves together and get on with the job in hand, and they did very well. Uh, and. Yeah, probably one of the stories of the tournament. They would be playing. They would be playing Scotland mix in the in the final. Who ended up ended up ousting Austria fourteen twelve in a yeah another thoroughly gripping and entertaining con- uh, contest that went right down to the wire. Uh, yeah, stark, pretty stark contrast again to how shows how far Scotland mix had come even in the weekend. On its own, uh, setting up a clash against clash up against the Titans of England in the end. Yeah, and no, I think Scotland really came through and proved that they were a, a quality side. And any issues that they had been having on the first day, they just seemed to have put so well to bed that they were looking like a well-oiled machine by the time they got through to that final. And it was really gratifying to see. There were some of us making silly chants in the crowd, but I won't go into that. <laughs> They loved it. Uh, and next up was the men's men's third place playoff: England against NI. <laughs> yes, it's it's the age old battle uh, versus NI again. Um, yeah, we we were 
went into it confident, sort of we beat them in the groups. Um obviously just, just after the loss to Malaysia, hearts were heavy. Um, but we were we were determined to go into that match and still take home still take home a medal. Um now I came out as strong as ever, um, obviously wanting the same thing as us. Um very, very tense, um, with a final sort of deciding throw and a deciding catch from NI. Um yeah, it was just it was just didn't seem to be England with this one. Um losing to Malaysia and then losing to NI in the next game, it just the absolute finest of margins is Yeah, it was Yeah. It was not pleasant. No. Yeah, but... it was really it was really hard to watch as well. Yeah. I mean, again, sort of a brilliant game, but like you could just tell people it was obvious like the people some a lot of the people on court were just heartbroken. Yeah, I think from a from an NI perspective, you having played against England a multitude of times and coming up short nearly every time, you're going to that match thinking, right, we may this may be our best chance to beat England that we've ever had. And to do it for a World Cup medal is yeah, is just something something extra that they can strive for. But yeah, it's uh I think NI went I think eleven three up in the in the game, which I think may have been may have been partly an English hangover from the Malaysia game, but met, or like Jordan said, NI came out of the blocks uh very, very quickly, very, very hard, very fast. But yeah, credit credit to England in that pretty pretty desolate point to then come back come back to take it to overtime is or at least it, to a deciding it was period. still very impressive. Like I think, yeah, it, the first half you could just see that people were like obviously they wanted to be there. It's the World Cup, but sort of on court, not quite looking like their normal selves. And then I think whatever Jaff and John said to them, the manager and the coach at the half time, they really did come out of that into that second half like a totally different side. Sort of the old England were back and they weren't messing around anymore. And the second half was a real clash of titans of some amazing dodgeballs watching especially considering how tired everyone must have been just physically let alone mentally it was incredibly impressive and they did themselves proud even though i know for a lot of them still that won't be much of a comfort yeah final yeah final word on ni um yeah take home that take home that world cup bronze medal and finally can probably be considered one of the one of the behemoths on the world stage is yeah, testament to how testament to their work ethic and how far they've come in recent years. Yeah, incredibly well deserved. Yeah, no, I just just um it's always always a pleasure to play against NI. Um they're an absolute cracking bunch of players at on and off court. Um and yeah, to, to sort of go out of the competition to them, it's not as as salty as it would be to go out to some other teams. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think yeah. Credit to credit to both teams. It's, I think it wouldn't be it would it wouldn't be too far fetched to say historically that would have been a very a, a very a very easy for a neutral sport ni because of 
the way England used to behave on court and the fact that it seemed to be a very seems to be both a very even divide. There didn't seem to be much controversy at all from from either team was a credit to the the conduct of the English players and to the, the coaching staff and everyone who's involved in them because that yeah, it would have been very easy for them to lose their heads and none of them did. And that is yeah, a huge credit, although I'm sure my I'm sure it won't seem it to them. Yeah, it was very everyone conducted themselves with like completely professionally and it was it was the kind of thing if when we become a professional sport, people can look at that match and go, Well, this is exactly what we expect you to do, sort of you've got two teams there sort of at different points on the bell curve of just sort of complete exhaustion and upset and complete sort of oh I've forgotten the word anyway yeah there like emotions were running so high and everyone wanted it so badly but they were both teams um were just complete professionals and it was a it was very gratifying to watch as a fan to watch these people who obviously respect each other so much play an amazing game of dodgeball and if I may segue away slightly which is your job, Sam, I know. But it actually, I think, if people wanted to watch a game that really sort of was the distillation of the talent that was at the World Cup, I'd maybe recommend watching that match rather than the men's final, which we're probably about to talk about. Yes, we'll talk about the men's final, as that is a natural follow-on. Um, so, yeah, so Malaysia against Austria in the final. Uh, yeah, well, Malaysia ended up coming, coming up short against Austria. Uh, ended up being 15-11 to Austria, which was certainly, not, certainly something I didn't expect after after their respective semi-finals. You'd have thought Malaysia had been going in on a massive, riding that massive wave. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah potentially a little bit sort of shell shocked that they'd got past England and then come back with another silver medal. Yeah, I think I think they just. Went in with England, organs blazing, just put everything they had into that semi-final. Um, and then sort of the final was a bit of an afterthought. You know, they, they put so much attention and focus on to beating England that they just weren't quite prepared for what Austria were going to bring afterwards. And I think I think that was that they sort of, like you said, they, they came up a bit short. Um, Austria, however, just beaten an eye. They, you know, the the World Cup title was within their graph. They, they were going... Going all out, um, still plenty of energy in reserve, um, and I think it just, yeah, it, it just showed that the um, sort of better, more prepared side just just took that win. Yeah, it felt it was very odd. It felt if it looked like that was the one that looked like the third place playoff to, to yeah for Malaysia. They yeah, they just seemed very they didn't seem to be quite in the zone or properly psyched up like they had been against England, which. I mean, it's, I think as Dave's, Dave said earlier, is uh, England's one of those teams where everyone has to, everyone just like indirectly or directly raises their game to the next level for. And yeah, it's, it's a real shame because Malaysia will probably look at that as a, a real opportunity missed to come home with a successive silver medal on the men's side. 
Yeah, I think it's a sports psychologist dream, really, because you got the distinct impression, especially as a spectator, that basically Malaysia had seen no other outcome than if they met England, it would be the final. So they just sort of got back onto court and they are such a slick side. Like even two years ago, they were pulling off these really smooth moves and they rely a lot more on sort of individual plays and a lot of singles throwing, which the European game is moving towards. But especially in Manchester, it's really noticeable. They were very good at letting each other play individually while still reacting to whatever the outcome outcome of that was as a team. But yeah, they just looked like it was almost shadows of them former selves for the first couple of sets. And this is not to take anything away from Austria, who I think actually are probably the biggest surprise of the tournament. Like Austrian men have been very solid players for a long time, but they really just smashed the entire tournament wide open. And they thoroughly, thoroughly deserved to beat Malaysia in that game. Whether it was quite the Malaysia that played England, I don't know, an hour previously is a different conversation, but it doesn't really matter because I think... Yeah, they just had nothing left in the tank. Malaysia just looked totally lost. And I think all their emotional energy had gone into getting those few vital points to knock England out. And then there was just nowhere to go. Yeah, which I mean, in hindsight, sounds sounds a little bit bizarre, bizarre rather, because Austria have come away from this, from this tournament winning all of their games in the men's side. It's not as if they'd scraped through their group and got through... Uh, got through a, a lucky draw or whatever they they won a, they they men won their group four games out of four i think and yeah then beating ni fairly comfortably in the semi-final on the scoreline at the very least uh yeah it's they definitely weren't a challenge to be taken lightly and i'm not saying malaysia did but malaysia had to be at their best to beat them and they just won totally agree So yeah, uh, men's men's all done and dusted, and it was um, of the turn of the English women in the final against Austria, who they only the previous day, or maybe even earlier in that day, depending on what time of day it was. Um, yeah, so yeah, setting up a rematch. Austria were Austria were out for revenge, and England were yeah just still buoyed by their previous defeat uh, their previous defeat of Austria ended up coming ended up coming through uh, 12 points to 8 in the end and yeah uh, yeah the scenes in the England camp afterwards were were really really good to see yeah absolutely um it i think uh, the England women Austria final um arguably was a highly anticipated game of the weekend um you know, it was it was England's chance to to take that home that World Cup gold, um, having just missed out on the previous World Cup, and again missing out to the um, European gold against Austria. Um, but yeah, no, um, in- England sort of putting on. Well, I'd say it, it's an unexpected six um, to start with. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think um, any of us could have really predicted that um, Abby Gower or Harry Bignall really would have been part of that starting six. Well, when looking back at England's previous performances, um, but I think to be honest, what those two brought to the table in that final was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Harry, absolutely amazing player as always, um, big fan. Uh, yeah, she, um, Harry knows how to play dodgeball and uh, make those game changing 
game-changing manoeuvres. Um, and then Abby Gower, sort of um, very very much new to the England squad, started at the same time as I did. Um, Euros was our, our debut tournament. Um, Abby absolutely pulling it out of the bag. Like, she, had, she did have an ex- she, exceptional final. Yeah, she had a storm of a game, the, the whole 30 minutes. Um, it's, it's probably the best I've seen Abby play. Um, and just her, her, her enthusiasm and happiness once they once they'd clutched that win. Um, I remember going to them as they were coming off court, she just ran up and just jumped on me and just started <laughs> sobbing with happiness. It was honestly... You said you weren't going to tell anyone. Yeah, well, everybody knows. <laughs> no. um, and obviously Charlotte, Charlotte Josiah... Uh, um, Make, making some incredible game game changing catches and clutch yeah, catches, she, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, go on. In obviously the the other few on court as well, they they just gelled together as a team, and they just played beautifully. And it was very much fully fully deserved win for England, and it was very much needed in the England women's camp. And yeah, yeah. it was. I think so uh, happy for them. Going back, going back to the um, going back to your point about. Uh, the changed lineup. I, I, I wondered initially whether, they, because obviously they, by the by this point they had the mixed final to to follow, and I thought, well, if their men are still slightly shell shocked, and uh, and their women are tired, they may end up not quite clicking in this mixed final that's coming up later. But then it's also a credit to the strength and depth that England have just got, and. Yeah, the two players who expect to be on court ended up probably being two of the best players on the court. Yeah, I think every I have to say, of considering I, I've played these women at a, at a national level, sort of the entire time I've been coming up through dodgeball, I think it was genuinely career best performances from pretty much everyone there. I think especially Charlotte Josiah definitely deserves a mention. I it's the best I've. She's always an absolute powerhouse on court, but. It was ridiculous, and just they were so slick and put together, and there was a real feeling of camaraderie and support, and it had a real, really positive mo- sort of momentum, which was really, really great to get behind as a spectator. Because I think sometimes you can tell in teams, and this isn't just England; this is everyone. When it gets a bit naggy and it gets a bit nitpicky, and everyone's actually getting at each other because they know they shouldn't be losing that point or dropping that catch or whatever, and there was none of that. It was just positivity and drive right through to the finish. And it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, I think just, yeah, the way because the way the game panned out, I think England ended up going either 6-0 or 6-2 up. And then Austria started pulling it back. And I think it was 8-6 to England at this point, where Charlotte was left in on her own against two Austrians, two or three Austrians, I think, and made a catch that ended up turning the period in England's favour. And that just killed Austria's momentum in in the final and yeah it was it could have been a very very rocky road for England if uh if Charlotte hadn't, hadn't pulled out the bag but she did and England ended up ended up winning winning with points to spare so yeah massive credit to the England guys for that so yeah uh final match final match for us is the mixed final which as we said some of the some of the English girls were rested for and the men had had a little bit of time to get out of their system. Lining up against Scotland, who's, uh, who's, which was actually, well, who was the second best mixed team at the NECs. 
so they've had previous. Um, yeah, it was a a bit of a bit of a washout for England, really. Uh, ended up being it was eight two with a ninety second period left of the first half, which realistically Scotland needed to win to put any pressure on, and England just about managed to oust them in that period, which gave Scotland a huge mountain to climb at the end of the first half, which turned out to be insurmountable from their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think as well, um, I think it worked in England's favour that um, the women were just, they were still on that high from that win against Austria and sort of the men who had just, just lost out to NI had come back with something to prove. Um, so I think the sort of the mood in the England camp, especially the mixed team for that was, Let's go out. Let's let's seal that second World Cup win for some people, and let's get the World Cup win for the others. Um, and I just think that the class that was shown in that um, sort of final, like from from both teams, really, really uh, was just it was just an exceptional game to watch. Um, the scoreline obviously reflecting much in England's favour, um, but that's not to discredit Scotland. Um, they they came they came to this tournament um being the the only one of three scotland teams to qualify um you know they they essentially were representing the whole of scotland at the world cup and for those to walk away with that silver medal i think it's an absolute massive credit to that team yeah i think yeah, yeah the, i think the pressure was on they put a lot of pressure on themselves as well to represent as you say a lot of people who felt who obviously were devastated they missed out on the chance to compete and I think, yeah, the scoreline doesn't reflect how much, how enjoyable uh, to watch the game the game was. I'm not sure England were ever sort of overly worried about the overall score at many points, but there were a number of amazing plays on both sides of big hits. And the sort of the turnover of players on court was really high because it wasn't as if Scotland were fighting them on every single point. And if, it, I don't think there was a game where England hadn't lost at least some players by the end of the set, and it was really, really brilliant to watch. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. Well, well and truly punched about their weight to to make it through the final. And yeah, even though Scotland doesn't suggest it, uh, doesn't really suggest it. They definitely didn't didn't disgrace themselves by any stretch in that game. But England's. Yeah, England mixed were unflappable. They were pretty. They gave a bit of a masterclass in how to play when you're win, how to play when you're winning, and just slowed all the tempo down, killed any momentum Scotland could could get from it, and yeah, ended up being worthy winners on the mixed side. Yeah, definitely. I think if it, you can't, as much as we credit Scotland's performance, you can't take away England deserved that win. And it was great to see a lot of people who who had heads down in the men's third, fourth, get it right on the night, as it were, and just sort of bring that trophy home where it deserved to be. I mean, I'm biased, but I think they did deserve it on the night. But it is coming home. Yeah, it's it's a it's the best thing that we we sat here and talked for God knows how long about how good the dodgeball was and how. Uh, how well respective teams performed, and there's it's been noted, but it hasn't been a dominating factor. The the refereeing and the organisation, which is great, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think on the organisation front, I mean, um, I think Tom knows, obviously Hickson would know that it didn't go anywhere near as smooth as he would have planned it in his own head. And I imagine he's very frustrated at that fact as well because he knew this was such a big deal. Um, yeah. I know people have spoke to him, the official bodies have spoken to him, the right people have talked to him about it. I felt some of the the heckles that are coming out of crowds and stuff like that during some of the events I thought was a bit uncalled for. Um, like it, Some people seem to make out like he wasn't aware there was issues. Of course he was. Um, he knows things could have gone a bit smoother. But I'm glad that the appropriate governing bodies have now you know, voice the complaints in the proper channels because just having a few people in the crowd who don't know the full situation shouting at them, I don't think helps anything um, no. on that front. But as yeah, as you said, we've talked about enough. The the dodgeball itself, as we all thought it might do, save the day because there are some just you could go through maybe ten matches throughout the weekend, which is unbelievable. Uh, go on then. One final question. Uh, next World Cup, who's your team to watch? It's a tough one. Um, I think e- Egypt are going to sort of come back with something. They're going to come back with a vengeance, but I I, tr- I trust in NI to um, stop them again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Scotland men just missing out on qualification. there to watch at Euros. Um, if they get to the World Cup, that could shake things up a bit. Um, and obviously, totally unbiased, um, we England men are going to come back and sort of take home the gold yeah. you won't like them when they're angry <laughs> yeah when you've, when you've got something that's ours <laughs> we're going to try and take it back I'm going to give a shout out to Hong Kong because I'm not actually I didn't see I didn't try and watch that many of their games but I saw a lot of them and I think they just popped up everywhere people didn't expect them to be strong like especially their women really taking it to England for half a match yeah, and I I just think they're definitely one to watch because as much as everyone's been watching Malaysia, I think the rest of the Oceanic Nations have a lot to say for themselves and we'll be hearing from them very soon. Dave, same question? I'd be, I'm really interested now, given how the results went, I think, to watch how Austria defend their title. I mean, them versus Northern Ireland is a game I think I could sit and watch all day if they just repeated it. I think they're two great, like, very good sides. Jordan's right, I think... Um, if the Scotland men's make this one, then they're going to be out to approve a point, I think, for missing this one. Um, I think, now I've, I'm covering them on social media a little more, I think the Canadians could be one to watch next time. They seem to be taking the, the youth development and the next generation very seriously. I, I've seen them do a lot of youth trials and things. So, obviously, in two years' time, if, if the whole game is progressing at the same level as the youth game, they could, they could do some serious damage. They could be a right shadow team to watch. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's all for today, I believe. Catherine, do you, do you want to sign off? Yeah, so thanks for having me and see you all soon. And Jordan? It's been a pleasure. Um, but yeah, um, obviously don't forget Euros, end of October, watching England retain their European gold and taking the European gold for the women. <laughs> and he's out. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> and finally, Dave. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on this first one. Hopefully I get to come on again. I haven't bored people too much. Um, looking forward to the new season now. It's just getting going. New team for myself, which is going to be big. Um, first time in a few years. 
so many new clubs have popped up. This year's going to be a big year for British dodgeball. I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of it. And it's goodbye from me. Uh, drop us a follow on Twitter as well, at NeutralZonePod, because nobody likes being followed by just Twitter bots. Feel free to tweet in with any comments or feedback or stuff you'd like to hear on another episode in the future. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the first ever instalment of The Neutral Zone. If you're listening to this and dodgeball sounds like the sport for you, then I recommend you go check out britishdodgeball.org forward slash clubs for information about clubs in your area. And if you're unlucky enough to not have one nearby, there are plenty of resources and advice available to help you start up a club of your own at britishdodgeball.org forward slash club hyphen support. If you'd like to keep up to date with dodgeball happenings in the UK, then follow British Dodgeball on Twitter at Brit Dodgeball. Drop their Facebook page a like and join the British Dodgeball Community Facebook group. Uh, links to these and any others mentioned will be in the description, should I remember. See you on the other side. <laughs>